You're listening to Comedy Central. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. You know, it's, it's weird. I'll, I'll tell you a little personal story. You are one of those few human beings who walks the planet and is um, seen as, 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 as a saint. Like, you're seen as somebody who is better than the rest of us, because you are. You but, are late, so... Right, but I then st- this was really great. So uh, we kept Malala waiting because we are running late today. And so... You... Trying to impress me and, like, say and then... nice things about me. No, no, and then you... Don't think it's working. <laughs> and then... <laughs> No, but then like, and then you tweeted a picture throwing shade at me. It's like, she's sitting on the side, she's holding my book, and she's like, ah, oh, Trevor, who is, who is this guy, and why is he late? And I was like, <laughs> I, like I, I forget that you are a person who's like also having fun in life. Do you, do sometimes people only treat you like, like a deity? Does it get a bit weird when you're talking to people? Um, no, I have really good friends, and they're very nice to me. Right. So yeah. do they treat you completely normally? Yeah, very normally. Oh, like, they're just like, Malala, I don't care, close the door. No, like, you know, the way I'm, like, you know, my university life, the right. teachers set the deadlines. If I miss it, they would be, like, not happy. I would be terrified to be your teacher in school. Because, oh, no. no, because you have a Nobel Prize. And then, like, Malala's in your class. And you're like, Malala, would you like to teach the class? And she's like, yeah, I will. <laughs> I wish. It just, does, does nobody ever bring that up with you? No. No? Not even my university interview. Oh, nice. Yeah. You, you don't bring it up either? No, I couldn't. I was scared. But you have a Nobel Prize. Like, let me tell you something, Lala. I'm going to teach you a little bit about swag. Um, <laughs> if you have a Nobel Prize, you should start every sentence with Nobel Prize, even if it, it's not necessary. <laughs> if you're at Starbucks and they're like, what would you like? You say, well, as a Nobel Prize winner, <laughs> I'll have the venti. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the reasons people are so drawn to you and your story is, is not just because of the journey you've been on, but because of the, the, the focus you bring to other people's journeys. And this book, We Are Displaced, is another example of that. My journey and stories from refugee girls around the world. Why did you feel the need to include other stories other than your own? I mean, your story is already so amazing. Why bring in others? Yeah, people already know about my story and uh, displacement was part of my life. Uh, in Pakistan and then also moving to the UK. Uh, but I have met girls around the world who have been displaced, who have lost their homes. And uh, often people talk about refugees and immigrants in numbers and in figures. And we hear about refugees, but we, near, uh, we never hear from refugees. Right. And for me, it was so important that we hear from these girls, hear their stories and get inspired. And, uh, you know, they show resilience and bravery and courage. And, uh, and I think they have overcome all these difficulties. So there's a lot for us to learn from them. It's interesting because when you, when you see images from, uh, you know, peop- uh, refugee settlements or places where people have been displaced by war, it's often the images that connect with people. As you say, the numbers don't seem to shake anyone. Mm-hmm. But for instance, from Syria, we saw the image of that little boy. You know, um, do you think that we could do a better job of putting a face to these people and to these groups? Do you think there's something we could do to improve how we see other human beings who are struggling? I think definitely there are a number of ways in which we can actually know more about the issue. Uh, I think firstly is you know, finding out and meeting the refugees and immigrants in our own community. And uh, one of the stories I have shared is of this amazing young woman who is reaching out to uh, immigrants in her community, helping them, you know, going to the grocery shop or uh, getting their education or applying to university. So it's actually going out there and doing it yourself, but also, um, you know, listening to the, the girls' stories that are out there. Reading this book is one right. is one opportunity uh, to hear from these girls. and. Uh, uh, and I think this is a way for us to, to hear from them. Um, and, uh, and I think what is inspiring is that people are 
interested in these stories and, and they want to know more and uh, I've already seen that, so yeah. When you, when you look at the story of refugees around the world, one thing that seems consistent is being a refugee is already hard enough. Being a woman or a girl who's a refugee mm -hmm. exponentially increases how difficult that journey is. It's so much more precarious. It's, it's, it's a really dangerous position to be in as a young girl. What do you think some of the biggest misconceptions are about girls who are refugees or refugees in general around the world? I think uh, the first thing is that becoming a refugee is never their first choice. This is the last choice and this is often the, the only choice that they have right. is to leave their homes for their safety, for their better future, because they have lost many things in their lives. And uh, you know, one of the stories that I have mentioned is of Annalisa from Guatemala who lost her parents. She became orphan at the age of 15 and had to cross the, the US border and go through so many difficulties and you know, the fear and, 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 and this, 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 I, this sense that you go through where you feel like you're not safe and like somebody could kidnap you or somebody could put you in jail, like all that you have to go through is, is not an easy thing when you're only 15 years old who have lost their parents. And so it just reminds us of the, of the courage that these people have, but also the fact that you know, we need to look at it from a more uh, a human eye, from a human angle and understand what would we be in a situation, um, how would we react in a, such a situation? What would we personally be uh, when, when we also face the same kind of conflicts right. or wars or uh, other things that force us to leave our homes? You, you recently spoke in Australia and you spoke out against their policy of turning away boats of refugees that had landed on their shores or had, been, had come close to their shores. If you were trying to convince somebody who was anti-immigrant or anti-refugee, have you found anything that you can say to them that shifts them or, or, or do you find a way that you can speak to people to try and help them see the humanity in this plight? Well, I've been trying it for a while and uh, I think it is difficult to convince people. But I think um, for me, the best way to know about is, I think oftentimes people do not know enough. They do not, they have not met a refugee person. They have not talked to a refugee girl and what she has gone through. So I think it's important for people to actually go and talk to people. That's the best way to integrate. And my father often says that, you know, if you want to know about a Muslim man or a Muslim person, do not know them through the news, but rather go and visit your next door neighbor who's a Muslim and talk to them. So I think talking to people is, is important, but also go and look for facts and figures of how immigrants and refugees have contributed to the global economies and how, you know, for instance, take the US, how refugees and immigrants have built this country to, at the level that it is right now. And also just uh, look at the human side of why people leave their homes. Right. And it is not that simple, it is never their first choice and it is often uh, the difficulties that they face that, that push them out of their houses. And uh, you know, for me personally, uh, when we were leaving Swat Valley, our hometown, that was because there was, it was not safe to stay there. Our lives were at risk. And uh, we did not know where we were going, we, we did not know for how long, but we knew that we could not stay there. There was no more choice uh, but, but to leave our homes. Right. The, one of the, the, the reasons to, to buy this book is because of the stories that are truly amazing and well-written. Another reason is because the proceeds go to an amazing cause, and that is um, to your foundation, which focuses on education. Why did you specifically choose that? Why, why is the Malala Fund specifically going after education of all the things that you could have done? 
Well, firstly, because I remember the time when my own education was banned by these extremist groups called the Taliban. And, uh, and I remember waking up, um, I think 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago. It was the month of January 2009 that I woke up one morning and girls' education was completely banned and no girl was allowed to go to school. And I realized that my future was taken away from me. My dreams were taken away from me. I was just limited to the house. I could not go and learn. I could not go and study. I could not go and become a doctor or a teacher or an engineer. And for many girls, the only way towards empowerment is learning and is, is getting their education, doing a job, and then standing on their own two feet. So for me, it is, it, it's, education is, is crucial for every girl's empowerment. Uh, but also the fact that if half of the population of the world does not get education, if they are not empowered, then the, the world is losing. We all are losing. So uh, education is crucial for me, especially the education of women, because when we educate women, this allows us to grow economies. Educating all girls up to secondary level would add up to $30 trillion to the world economy. It helps us to tackle climate change. It helps us reduce poverty, fight against early child marriages, uh, the, the cultural norms and traditions that are out there that are discriminating women. It has so many advantages. and. Uh, uh, and I was one of the victims and I was one of those girls and I know that it is crucial for all girls to go and learn and, uh, and also you know, the, the benefits that education brings to, to the world as well. And refugees' children's education is equally important, especially the young girls who oftentimes in the refugee camps they are forced to get married. Uh, for instance, in Lebanon, like 41% of the Syrian refugee girls get married before the age of 18. So, that's why we started Malala Fund, and the work is focused on the education of girls, especially complete education, not just primary, but complete primary and secondary education, safe and quality education to ensure that. Uh, and, and for that, we invest in local leaders and, and local uh, educators. Uh, and and uh, for instance, like in Lebanon, one of our uh, activists is, is going out and talking to the, the girls' parents right. and, and the local li religious leaders and, uh, and convincing them to send their daughters to school. Or one of our activists is using this digital device that works in the absence of electricity and internet to educate girls in the refugee camps. In Brazil, we have activists. In Pakistan and Afghanistan, we have activists who are reaching out and, and doing work at the local level. It's amazing having you on the show. You continue to inspire us. You make us realize how trash we are as human beings. <laughs> and I appreciate everything you do. Thank you so much for Thanks. being on the show. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.